schedule, and we need to work at, we need to work out our relationships to keep them healthy. You know, I, I remember uh, several months ago when our committee come together to uh, talk about the name change, they came up with a, a theme verse that kind of centered around that whole idea, and it's Psalm 133.1 where it says this, and this is in the New King James translation, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And it's important that the church, that the family, that, that we have healthy community and healthy connection. I like how John Phillips describes this verse. He says this, It's the one thing that God says that will convince people that the church has something the world does not have. And again, when there's unity, when there's health in relationships, that's something that's attractive to, to the world that's out there. And God's desire for us is to have unity, to have harmony, to have fellowship, to be able to get along. And sometimes that can be hard. I, I know we all uh, at times are, are in uh, fractured relationships, and that's kind of the, the, the charge this morning as we think of maybe some relationships that aren't so healthy of, of how we can go about, you know, fixing those relationships, and that'll be our challenge this morning. There's a, a part of the message that I'd like to share with you as we introduce this, and it's found in Philippians chapter 2, and I'd just like to read it to you because it really just kind of puts it on the bottom shelf for us. It says this in Philippians 2, verses 1 through 11. If you've gotten anything out of following Christ, if his love has made any difference in your life, if being in a community of the Spirit means anything to you, if you have a heart, if you care, then do me a favor. Agree with each other. Love each other. Be deep-spirited friends. Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet-talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and let... Help, let's help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. Think of yourselves the way Christ Jesus thought of himself. He had equal status with God, but didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of that status no matter what. Not at all. When the time came, he set aside the privileges of deity and took on the status of of a slave, became human. Having become human, he stayed human. It was an incredibly humbling process. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life and then died a selfless, obedient death. And the worst kind of death at that, a crucifixion. Because of that obedience, God lifted him high and honored him for far beyond anyone or anything else ever so that all created beings in heaven and on earth, even those long ago dead and buried, will bow and worship before this Jesus Christ and call out in praise that he is the master of all to the glorious honor of God the Father. As we think of this passage and as we think of the writer, the Apostle Paul, he, he's challenging us and reminding us that, that genuine fulfillment, genuine completeness in relationship comes when there's unity, when there's, when there's healthy connection with one another. In your introduction, it says this, we are in relationship with someone. We're better together. Without relationships, we are lonely people. 
There's no substitute for friends. We, we all need someone to care, to listen, to feel, to comfort. We need those we're open and vulnerable with. Uh, I think of eternity past, and that's hard for us to get a, our mind around, but think of time before Genesis 1-1, before we knew anything, before there was just nothing but just God. And in a passage, it says this in the early understanding of Genesis. It says, let us make man in our image. And we're probably going to stop and think, well, what's that us have to do with what the passage is saying? And as you think about that, it makes me think of the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Before there was any kind of creation, there was healthy fellowship between the Godhead. There was, there was unity. Before birds were around, before animals were around, God was in fellowship, was in community with each other. And it's important that we, we realize that. Um, psychologists a while back realized as they researched human beings that, that we're hardwired to, to have relationship and to need connection. In fact, uh, researchers who did ultrasounds, they realized this, with, that when there were twins in the womb, they offered comfort with each other by patting one another on the shoulder when one seemed to be in distress. Think about that. There was a need for one another, so they helped and they uh, comforted one another. And yet it seems sometimes we become too independent, we become more self-indulgent, and we're not ones who are willing to put ourselves out there, and we become too interested in things that don't impact eternity, and we forget that the most important thing is relationship, is fellowship. You know, uh, you've heard this said before, but the only thing we can take with us to heaven is other relationships. And see, we have the opportunity to try to win those people in our circles, if it's, a, if it's a family member, if it's a co-worker, if it's a neighbor, you know, we have that opportunity to win them to Christ. And again, so often we, we spend our, our energies to, to, to maybe get ahead, to, to build our, our, our nest egg, and yet we forget about what's really important, and that's relationships. So what I'd like us to do is consider five specific ideas of how we can renovate our relationships, how we can kind of keep them fixed, keep them moving in the right direction. Because probably at times we've all been in relationships that have been broken, that have been strained, and it's important that we maybe have some of these helpful tools that can make us healthy in our relationship. And the first thing I'd like us to consider as we think of healthy relationship is that we we communicate humbly, that we are humble in how we communicate with one another. In that passage in Philippians 2 that we read, we see the humility of Jesus. We see how he was God, but yet he, he's temporarily set his, his deity aside so he could become human and become a, a, a sacrifice for you and I. We, we see humility there. And humility is something, if you talk that you have it, you, you, you don't. 
Humility is something that's just naturally born out of a heart that's walking close with Jesus. And we need that. And, of course, the opposite of, of humility is pride. And we know that the Bible teaches us that pride brings destruction. Proverbs 11.2 teaches us, us that. Pride leads little hope for improvement. Pride causes us to forget God, James tells us. Pride leads to God's discipline sometimes, Proverbs 29.23 tells us. Pride causes us to lose the promises of God, and then pride causes blindness to our own condition. We see that in the church in Revelation 3, where, where a church was so full of themselves that they could not see what God was doing around there. So when you think of this idea of humility, it opens doors, and pride burns bridges. Now, humility is not being timid. It's not being one without backbone. Humility is, is one who stands before God at the cross in all your weakness and failures and then living life in the shadow and power of the cross. Humility. It's necessary to have relationships that are healthy. Now, think through this as, as there's, there's some thoughts in your notes here that go along with this. When there's humility, a humble one is one who, who humbles themselves before God to talk to God about a situation. Sometimes when there's maybe a relationship that's strained and not doing so good, we, we think, well, I'll just fix it myself. And yet the, the, the best approach is to take the situation to God and talk to him about the situation. Sometimes maybe we think, well, I'm just going to fix them because they need my help. Well, pray about the situation Pray for them. Pray for yourself in the situation. Humbly pray that God would cause a shift in that relationship. Pray that your attitude might change. Pray that your understanding might change. Pray that the other person's attitude might change. Pray that their understanding might change. And, and do this humbly. Do this as you give words to the Lord, not to that person. And then we also think of this, and as we, as we strive through this, the humble one humbles themselves and takes the first step toward renovation. Often we'll say, well, they offended me. They should come to me. And yet, have you ever thought of how proactive Jesus was? I know in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, we read that God commendeth his love for us in that while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. Think about that. He went to us. His love went to us. He, he took the first step in renovation. And boy, what a good thing for us to get our minds around it. We go to the need. We go to that, that we've, that's maybe even offended and, and say, let's figure this out. Jesus tells us that. Uh, also in Matthew 5 where he says, therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, Leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. See, it's important that we realize that, that Jesus modeled that, hey, I'm going to go to them. And boy, if we could go in a humble way to them to say, hey, let's, let's figure this out. And then there's one more thought to all this. Ask God's forgiveness and be willing to forgive. 
God, you know, I really messed this up. I've, I've, I've hurt this relationship. It's been years. It's been days. It's, it's been something that I, I've just dwelled on. And, and yet when we say, God, fix me, you know, what a step in, in modeling Christ. In fact, we're never more like Christ than when we choose to forgive. And again, renovation and relationship starts when we are people that communicate in a humble, God-honoring way. Be humble. There's a second thought to this. And again, we're looking at, at ways that we can build into relationships and have healthy relationship. And that is we, we communicate truth. If you wouldn't mind, turn over to Ephesians chapter 4. We'll probably spend the rest of our time in this uh, part of the scriptures. But in Ephesians 4 we see some things that God shows us about healthy communication. And that is, first of all, or second of all, that we're, communicate, we're to communicate truth. <coughs> and I know this because of verse 25 in Ephesians 4 where it says, Therefore, put away lying, and each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are all members of one another. How do I know where to communicate truth? Well, it's right there in the Bible. We're to be truth tellers. And of course, when you think of this, unless you've accepted Jesus as your truth and him as truth, it, it's going to be more difficult to tell the truth. You know, in John chapter 14, Jesus tells us that he is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father except through me. He's the only way. And he is the truth that gives us Hope to communicate that truth. I love what he also says in John chapter 8, verses 31 through 32. It says, Then Jesus said to those disciples who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Have you been set free by the truth of Jesus Christ this morning? I'll never forget the church I got to be a part of as a, as a young boy. Uh, we had a a student center right next to the church, and on the side of the student center, this is passage, John 8, 32. This is how I memorized the passage. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. And that verse was, was copied on the, on, the, on, the, on the building, and then it had a hot air balloon, and that hot air balloon was released. And see, as we are people who have accepted the truth, we are released from our sin. We are free in Christ. And it's important that we are, uh, are living out in the truth of what the gospel has done for us. And again, as followers of Christ this morning, if we claim Christ, we should tell the truth. You should expect the truth from me. I should expect the truth from me. Come on now, Fred. You shouldn't be lying about that. You should be being an honest person. Gary, you're off on that. You should be telling the truth. And it's important that we understand it. It's not a suggestion here. It, uh, dishonesty's out. Truth is necessary. Truth helps us have healthy relationship. Now, sometimes we're dishonest in our body language. You know, we'll say something with our, our mouths, but yet our body language is saying, well, we really don't believe that. You know, some of you are saying a lot in your body language right there by falling asleep. You're telling me the truth that, man, this is a sleeper. You need to give us a little more. Now, actually, I can tell that everybody's awake so far. 
Anyway, if you're not awake, wake up. Um, but again, the idea is sometimes we're dishonest with body language and, and we'll, we'll maybe even use innuendo sometimes. And, and, and those aren't good ways to have good, healthy communication. Sometimes we'll just not uh, uh, be ones who tell truth all the way and we'll say, well, I just told a little fib. Or I just told a little white lie. Well, I don't see white lies in Scripture. I think it's all about truth all the time. It's important that we do that. So we put away lying. We, we see this in this passage, that we, we are, are truthful people. And again, it's nice and refreshing to be around people who are honest people and, and who tell the truth with their lives. They live out truth. And then there's a third thought here. And again, we're thinking about tools that, that, are, that are necessary to keep relationships healthy, to, to have healthy relationship, and that is we're to communicate quickly. We're to communicate quickly. And I, and, I, and I see that because of what verses 26 and 27 of the passage say. It says, be angry, don't sin, don't let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Now, there's a lot in that passage. As, as we look at this, and as we, we, we're told that, that our communication needs to be quick, and when we possibly are frustrated in a situation, what does it tell us? That anger can be an okay emotion, but it should not cause us to sin when we are in that emotion. You know, that's a hard one for me because typically when I get angry, I sin, and it's just kind of a hard one for me to figure out. But, but it is something that's, that, that can be done. I think of the life of the Lord Jesus. You know, here's the, the Son of God, deity, who, you know, was, was angry in the temple when they were making a mockery out of his place. And he went in there, and he, you know, messed some things up in the, in the temple. I'm sure he didn't say, well, you know, can you step aside and let me you know, move the, the money changer's table here. I'm sure there was some strong emotion there, but yet he did it without sin. And it's important that we have a, a, a heart that's, that's angry toward, toward sin and anger toward the right things. So don't sin is an observation we make here. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. And what's Paul trying to tell us here? Well, you know, when there is a, a situation that's caused to get, get you a, a little bit your blood pressure up, you know, take care of that quickly. And the reason is it gives the devil an opportunity. And so often when we stew and we, when we are frustrated in our situations, we will we'll just uh, get in there and it becomes a, a long-term issue toward maybe another person. That's why I like Hebrews 12, verse 15, where it says, see that, so it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. You know, again, take care of things quickly because so often, you know, when we become angry people, it's, it's like, you know, we, we, we just start loading ourselves up with garbage and stuff that just really is not going to help us grow in Christ. And, and what happens when we load ourselves up with garbage, we start to smell. And then that garbage uh, permeates over to the next uh, uh, person that's close to you. I know sometimes I'll throw something away accidentally. So I'll need to go 
through the trash to find that something. And it's funny, you'll, you'll be looking for that something that you threw. I've thrown my wallet away before and different things. I just get confused and I just throw stuff. But all the trash just kind of gets all mushy together. Have you noticed that? Some of you maybe haven't ever gone to the, had to go through the trash. But, you know, you've got your coffee grounds in there and some old apple cores. And then you've got, you know, maybe some cereal boxes that are pretty decent. But they kind of just kind of get everything, don't they? And, and that's the way our, our anger can be when it's not taken care of quickly. You know, we just, you know, mess up the whole garbage can. And we're not good for anything. Because that's that root, you see. And, again, don't give the devil an opportunity um, don't let the sun go down on your, on your wrath. I, I love this thought that was given to me several years ago. Win the person, not the argument. So often, you know, we like to fight and we say, well, they got to see it my way. Well, you know, so uh, when that happens, you know, you're not really restoring or helping the relationship. You're pushing the relationship further. So, so seek to be one who wins the relationship, wins the person, not the argument. Now, Here's some things for our toolboxes uh, quickly. Some things that we can uh, have in our, our, our toolboxes that, that will help us uh, as we uh, have maybe some relationship things that break down. Okay, and the first thing I'd like us to be reminded of is, is, is do I have the facts right? Do I really know the whole story? <coughs> I think so often we become, well... You know, they said this, or I heard this. You know, if you work in an office, you know, this is kind of how it works. You know, it, it just goes around through the office and it's spread around. It, it, it's not really factual at times. So it's important that you truly do have the facts right. And I love how Proverbs tells us, he who answers a matter before he hears it, it is folly and shame to him. Another thought is you think of uh, these tools that can help us in renovation. Should love cover it? You know, I've been married to this person for over 30 years. We've invested a lot. Just stay married. You know, love will cover it. You know, it's really, in, 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 a, in a few months, a few days, it's really not going to matter. And so often we, we think things are, are, are so final and, and, and we worry about things. But will love cover the situation? Above all things, have fervent love for one another. For love covers a multitude of sins. 1 Peter 4.8. Does love cover it? Should love cover it? And then another thing, and this is important too, and I've learned this is helpful. Is my timing right? Is my timing right? You know, if you do ever need to kind of work in get in a relationship that's, that's maybe gone sideways and, and, and help it get back on track, you know, do it in a timely manner. You know, when, when you're fresh and hopefully they're fresh and you're not hungry, you're not tired, it's not late in the night. Um, and, and timing is so vital in all of this. A man has joy by the answer of his mouth and a word spoken in due season, how good it is. Proverbs 15, 23. And then there's three more thoughts here. Is my attitude right? Is my attitude right? Am I trying to help the relationship or am I trying to prove my point? Ephesians, earlier on in this passage, it says, Speak the truth in love that it may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. So again, attitude, how is that in the situation? And then are my words loving? 
you know, so often we'll attack and we'll use words that are strong, like you said, and uh, sometimes in a better approach, we'll, we'll, is this possible that this happened? Have I, is this situation right the way I'm seeing it? And, and the, the words spoken in love and, uh, are so much more helpful, uh, and you get the situation resolved better when you, you use words that are loving. And then one more, and this, is, this probably should be at the top of the list, but it's on the list anyway. Have I humbly asked for God's help? Have I humbly asked for God's help? God, you're going to have to figure this out because I'm, it's bigger than me. And, of course, that passage we all like is trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he'll direct your paths. And, again, so often we, we maybe will take the situation and we'll gossip to someone else in the, in the office. Maybe it's even another family member. I know I'm from a big family. I've got seven siblings. So sometimes we'll get siblings to kind of gang up on each other. So I'll get one on my side or two on my side and then we'll have a good old powwow. Uh, but that's not a good way sometimes either. It's better to just kind of go to the person that's bothered you and frustrated you and make it right with them. So, again, some just thoughts that maybe are helpful. Uh, go to the person who's angered you. Seek peace as quickly as possible. Choose to forgive. Remember that words hurt. Remember, we want to win the relationship, not the argument. And then there's two more. A fourth renovation tool to build healthy relationship communicate wholesome words. Communicate wholesome words. I love this passage in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 29 through 30, where it says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers, and don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Now, What's this passage telling us? Well, first of all, there's words that we shouldn't use that we would call unwholesome words. Unwholesome words are words that are corrupt communication. Um, An example of corrupt communication is attacking character of a person. Uh, One translation refers to corrupt communication as no foul language. Uh, This is maybe what we would call rotten talk. And words that uh, don't edify, words that don't build up, they tear down. These are are unwholesome words. Um, Words that condemn um, are unwholesome words. Words that belittle are unwholesome words. Words that compare. Words that maybe label. I'll never forget as a, (laughs) I think I was in eighth grade, seventh, eighth grade, and we wrote an English uh, assignment. And I'll never forget how uh, I remember in this season of my life, school was a hard thing for me. School's always been hard for me. Um, but I remember uh, uh, the teacher gave us this assignment that we were to watch something on TV and then we were to write the article from what we saw on TV and write it like a newspaper article. And, of course, uh, it was the time of the year that it was baseball season and the Pirates were playing the Cincinnati Reds. I believe they're actually playing them in the playoffs. And I remember writing this article on 
Pittsburgh playing Cleveland, and I nailed it because, you know, that's what I read, the sports page. You know, uh, Three River Stadium was electric. Willie Stargell in the bottom of the eighth inning hit a two-run homer, and they defeated Cincinnati 4-2, to two, and it was uh, a great uh, game for, for, for Pittsburgh, and the, the, the series will continue at Riverfront Stadium, which is where the Cincinnati Reds play. And I, I, and I really wrote the article. Well, I get my, my paper back from, from the teacher, and she had given me a zero. No lie. And I'm thinking, what? She goes, this isn't your work. You couldn't have written this. And, of course, I promise I did write it. I'm not lying. I'm telling the truth. I'm going back to first point, second point. Um, but, the, but the thing was, she labeled me because of my past experiences in the classroom. She thought, well, there's no way Marburger could write this. And I thought, well, I guess not. But so I just took it and never even, I, in fact, I just started talking about this a while back. And I think, so it's therapy for me. But, but uh, uh, if you're in a, you, we're parents, we're grandparents, it's important that we don't label. And we don't, uh, we realize that, that what we do and what we say and our actions, they, they matter. Uh, communicate wholesome words. Insulting, we'll insult, we'll condescend. We'll use sarcasm. This is one I use often. And again, they don't help relationship. Avoid these unwholesome words. Avoid these unwholesome attitudes. And see, what happens is we grieve the spirit. You know, we hurt God when we sin. You know, when we attack people. When we, when we uh, are not in healthy relationships, we, we hurt God. We, we grieve him, verse 30 tells us. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God. We hinder God from working in our life when we grieve him. Wholesome words, they give grace. They impact friendships. They impact the world. Let's model edification. And then there's one more. A fifth renovation tool. To keep healthy relationship, to enhance healthy relationship, and that is communicate actions, not reactions. And we see this in verses 31 and 32. And what we're to do is we're to put off and we're to put on. We're to put off verse 31 and we're to put on verse 32. We're to put off bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking and we're to put on Christ. And we'll get to verse 32 in a second. But those are, those are, uh, that's a strong list there of what we're to get rid of. And then we're to put on kindness, verse 32. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. What we're to put on. Kindness. Benevolent, helpful words. You know... <coughs> I, we have three adult children. One lives in Hawaii, one lives in Florida, and my other son, he just lives two doors up. It's really cool. It's, they, they've got uh, foster kids, and they've got one biological son and one they've just adopted about a year ago. But the little girl who's a kindergartner, she is sweet as can be. Her name's Scarlett. And Scarlett, uh, several weeks ago, was just really upset about something. I'm not sure what it was, but I said, Scarlett, you really look pretty when you cry. Because she was upset, and I thought, you know, and she just kind of looked at me and wiped her eyes and smiled and then went back to playing, and I didn't think a whole lot of it. Well, just last week, she said to me, you know, Grandpa Gary, remember when you said to me how pretty I looked when I cry? 
And I thought, you know, our words, you know, kind words in that season, and, and she, she held on to that, and I didn't think a whole lot of it. But, but what we say, what we react with our words, with our actions mat- matter. Kindness, benevolent, helpful, courteous words. God wants us to have. And then we're to be tenderhearted. And that idea of tenderheartedness is good-heartedness, is compassion, is to be sympathetic. Laugh with them when they're happy and and be sad with them when they're sad. That's the idea of of tenderheartedness. And then there's forgiveness. Give up your right or claim to revenge. Let go of your grudges. As one person says, bury the hatchet and bury the handle too. You know, be done with it. Let it be done. Uh, Our actions, our reactions, they matter. As followers of Christ this morning, let actions and reactions be kind, tenderhearted, and forgiving. So, application. And and I love to make application with a Bible verse. And the one I like this morning is Psalm 19, verse 14, where it says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable unto thee. Be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. May my words, may my meditation be acceptable in the God's sight. Think about that. What do we think about? What are we saying these days? Are they acceptable to God? Uh, are we renovating, are we radically living different lives that make a difference that, that is helping our relationships flourish and, and matter for eternity? You know, Jesus Christ renovated my life when I was a teenager. And I trust this morning that he's renovated your life. He, he, by dying on the cross for my sins, he gave me a, a hope of eternal life. He, he restored my life to be in communion with him. And because of Jesus, we can have eternal life. Because of Jesus, we can have a renovated relationship with him and with others. And my prayer this morning is that you know Christ as your Lord and Savior. In just a few minutes here, we're going to give an invitation. And we're going to give you an opportunity to respond to Christ. Maybe you've never given your life to Christ. Maybe, you know, words have hurt you. Maybe the church has hurt you. Maybe you've never really realized that you, 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 you need to surrender and give your life to Jesus. And this morning would be a great day for you to do that. You know, myself and another pastor will be up here in just a minute, and we'd love to share that with you. Or maybe you'd just like to take uh, uh, a few minutes and just reflect on what what, what maybe this message spoke to you about and, and have a time of prayer and meditation where you sit. Or maybe you want a pastor to pray with you. We'd love to pray with you. Or maybe you want to just gather around the altar uh, here in just a uh, few minutes and, and pray. Whatever your need is, uh, you come as we sing. Uh, let's pray. Lord, thanks for loving us. Thanks for Jesus. Thanks that he is our hope. Thanks that he is our redeemer. Thank you, Lord, that we can trust him as our Lord and Savior. Thank you, God, for the fact that you renovated our lives by giving us Jesus. And help us realize that we have a great opportunity, Lord, to, to build another lives and to, to seek reconciliation and to seek hope. Thank you for this day. Thank you for these passages you've shown us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Will you stand with me this morning?
You come as we sing. Whatever you need is, we'd love to uh, encourage.